Welcome to the Little Studio Comedy Club podcast, which is today clothing optional. <laughs> with your host, Jen Johnson. Well, hello, comedian David Scott. How are you? I'm very well. A little chilly in here. But is it? I'm sorry. Without my clothes on, yeah. Well, yeah. You know what I love about you is when I invited you to come by and do an episode of the podcast, your immediate response was, should I bring donuts? Right. And I said, this is a person who I would get along with. <laughs> that you need to get to know. <laughs> Let's just start there. What's the best donut? And I will judge you oh, by your answer. Oh, man. You know, I'm on a diet. I haven't had donuts in quite a while. Oh. So I would defer to your expertise on this one. Warm apple fritter. Oh, there you are. Yeah, every time. Yep. No question. It's nice to meet you. You've been doing stand-up for not like your entire lifetime. No, no. I was just thinking about that coming over here. It's been about six years now I started my son. Robert Scott got me interested in stand-up. He had started doing stand-up, and he said, you should do it. And it was the weekend after I checked my wife into a nursing home. So now I had all this time on my hands. Okay. Until then, I, had, I was their primary caretaker. Uh-huh. And so I put together a bit, and I went on and performed it. And they had a vote at the end to see who was the best, had the best set of the evening. And guess what? Somebody else won. <laughs> oh, good for them. Yes. <laughs> a long, illustrious career for that person. Glenn Bolton won. <laughs> but that's got to be scary. I mean, because what had you done before that? What? I was a teacher. And I, when I taught, I told lots of jokes. I mean, they were stupid jokes, you know, just to annoy the students. Yeah. Like, uh, my cousin is an apathetic gardener. He plants vegetables, but he doesn't care at all. <laughs> No, see, that's the kind I Cal- like. That's the caliber of joke <laughs> I tell to my students. And, and one time, uh, if they didn't know the answer to a question, I'd tell a joke. And then I'd ask the question again. If they didn't know, I'd tell another joke. Oh. And I asked the question again. I walked over to tell the joke, and one student yelled, just tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Were you teaching high school kids? No, it was, college, it was uh, adults, okay. adult education, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so then you go from that into stand-up, which I guess would be less, t- maybe less intimidating because yes. you've already been standing in front of an audience in theory. Yes. And probably yeah. a much tougher audience. <laughs> Curiously, it took me quite a while to get comfortable in front of an audience. Yeah. And I can't tell you why. It's the idea of performing instead of teaching. Because when you're teaching, you're helping. And when you're performing, you're basically just annoying people. <laughs> <laughs> and you want their approval. Yeah. How does that feel the first time you get a laugh? I mean, really good. The uh, I, What I have been doing is performing at nursing homes and retirement centers. And a lot of, these people don't have a lot of energy. <laughs> and so I'll go through a 45-minute set, and it takes about 50 minutes because of the five minutes of laughter. So <laughs> when I perform at a real, you know, for a standard audience, I'll uh-huh. say, they'll laugh at my jokes, and it's like, what, what are you doing? I got this material I got to get through. Shut up. <laughs> I don't have time for your laughter. I don't have time for this aggravation. I tell you, I feel a lot of pressure as an audience member, and I love going to see live comedy. I love it. And I've already gotten back into it now since the pandemic. But the last time I went, a couple of weeks ago, they sat me very front row. So I'm the first person that the comedian sees. And I feel so much pressure because I want them to do well. And I want them to feel like we're responding. So I'm like, I have a glued on smile. And I'm like, hey, you're doing great. And I want them to want to come back to Kansas City. And there's a weird pressure to being in the audience. Yeah. I was at a performance uh, last night at the Aztec Theater. And if you give me a second, I'll tell you who produced it. But two out of the first three rows were people there to celebrate a birthday. Okay. So they were they were halfway in the bag at the start <laughs> of the evening. So by the time we got through, it was the gloves off. They didn't. 
didn't care what they said to, and who they said it to. So that's right. But that's what you want, it right? Was, well, a good and drunk so, audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the the the, uh, the community got lots of response, lots of encouragement. Good for them. Now I saw that on Facebook you posted you found a vintage Cub Scout flashlight. Oh, look at you doing in, your research in an old trunk. Yes. Now I can assume that was your Cub Scout flashlight. I, absolutely. Yeah. What the, do you remember about Cub Scouts? Very little. I was I fi- actually found a photo of me and my Cub Scout troop, you know, the three of us in the photo. And I, I remember very little. I do remember we met in my friend's basement. Okay. That's it. <laughs> That's what you got. Jim Faye's basement is mm-hmm. where we met. And his mom was very nice, and my mom was also a den leader. And I didn't go into Boy Scouts because it was on the other side of town. Oh, okay. So that was annoying. Did you sell the flashlight? No, not yet. It's still on eBay. Check it out. <laughs> What's that worth? What year is it from? Tell us. Oh, it's in the 50s because that's when I was in Cub Scouts. So. And I put some fresh batteries in it. Thing still works. Nice. Yeah. Of course, because it's from the Cub Scouts. Right. It's still going to work. Right. I yeah. remember I was in the Bluebirds growing up, and the only thing I remember oh about that, I just like you, I remember sitting at a house, but I remember snack time. You had snacks, and I can specifically remember sitting there eating whatever. I think it was brownies or cupcakes or something, and we had drinks, and I remember a girl asking for milk, and I was like, milk? Why are you messing this up with healthy stuff? Exactly. Cupcakes and brownies here. Get on board. Now, I like getting older. You often joke about, you know, being older and being retired. I love getting older. Really? Yeah. No, I feel like it's just easier. You don't worry about stuff so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Not my problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do a bit about, I was reading an article about the fact that uh, cell phone use over time will, mm-hmm. uh, I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't affect me one bit. No, long-term effects, not a problem. Not a problem. No. You have kids? Yeah, we well, have yeah, three kids, and they're all in the arts. The oldest, Dana, is a musician in the rock band Mad Libby. Check them out. Very cool. Second is a dancer, a dance instructor, and a former chief's cheerleader. Nice. And the third is a published author. So we have music, dance, and literature. My background is in mathematics and computers. So one of two things has happened. (laughs) Either all my genes are recessive Uh or the mailman was delivering more than letters. (laughs) I bet your house was fantastic while they were growing up. We had a lot of laughs. We laughed a lot. It sounds like a very creative household as the kids are going through it. Yeah, my philosophy was try to find something that they enjoy or that they're good at and then just let them do it. My son played uh, soccer, baseball, basketball. He was in taekwondo. I just tried to expose him to everything. Now, Dana, the musician, knew right away. Megan, dancer, knew right away. Rob, he wound up going to film school, major in film. Of course, they don't call it film. They call it moving images. Okay. Apparently the, <laughs> apparently the degree is more valuable if you call it something besides film. Yeah, so the point of our, our raising our children is just to expose them to as many things as possible and, and then just let them latch on to something. Now, when was your daughter a Chiefs cheerleader? What era of oh, Chiefs? Oh, Lord. Uh, Elvis Gerbach. Oh, that's a good time to be a Chiefs cheerleader. Yeah, they made the playoffs and had, if had one call gone the other way, they would have made the Super Bowl. That would have been cool. Yeah. Can you imagine how much I could have sold those tickets yeah. for? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to go. <laughs> Look what I got. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, no, I'm glad to hear you saying all that because I have two daughters, fifth and sixth grade right now, and I'm doing the same thing where I'm like, you have to try everything once, mm-hmm. and if you hate it, you don't mm-hmm. ever have to go back. Mm-hmm. So one season of volleyball, basketball, and now, of course, they're involved in 1,400 things, and then what do I do? I complain because then everything, I'm like, ah, I'm just chauffeuring you all day to exactly. everything. The happiest day of our my, our marriage's life is when our middle daughter, the dancer, uh-huh. got her driver's license. Yes. We turned in our chauffeur's permit and yeah. said, you drive yourself now. She was delighted. We were even happier. It seems like the best and worst day. Like they say, a boat. When you buy a boat, the best day of your life, and when you sell the boat, also the best day there. And I feel like it will be the same, because I will be scared to death when they start driving, but also, oh, thank you. Yep. I'm done. Yep. Here, here's the keys. Yep. Uh, all day track meet tomorrow. That's what we've got coming up, <laughs> followed immediately by a volleyball tournament. So... That's the <laughs> that's the price you pay. Current era we are in. <laughs> now you have an ebook titled "The Wrong Way to Watch a Dart Tournament." Yes. What can you tell me about this? It started when I was a kid. I saw a drawing. It's going to be hard to describe, but it's two parallel lines going up and down, and then there are four half circles, two on each side, mm-hmm. and that is a bear climbing a tree. Okay. Two up and down lines, four semicircles. Two on each side. Uh-huh. That's a bear climbing a tree from the back side of the tree. <laughs> okay. Now, so my cover for that is a, it's a circle with a dot right in the middle of it, and then coming out of the circle on the outer edge are three fins, like at 2 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. Okay. And that one is called The Wrong Way to Watch a Dart Tournament. <laughs> <laughs> so I was hooked on visual humor as a kid. And then I started making up these things, and so I have a whole book of them now. Very cool. It's called Wrong Way. Did you have comic books growing up? Was that a big thing oh, for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, I would go in the garage and read comic books. For some reason, they were in the garage in a box. Lots of comic books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you selling those on eBay now? No, I wish I still had them. Man, <laughs> can you? I wouldn't. I could. Man. I feel we'd, like. We'd be having this conversation <laughs> in you know, Key West. <laughs> you wouldn't be talking to me. You'd be sitting on your millions enjoying your Spider-Man books. I'd buy a boat. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is that what you'd buy? Let's say right now, if somebody, you win Mega Millions. First thing I would do is make a movie. I have written about, uh, let's call it a dozen, probably closer to 15 skits that only one of them has been filmed so far. But I think if you paste them together, you'd actually have a feature-length movie. Do you remember the movie, uh, Kentucky Fried Movie? Yes. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that was basically the same format. as just a bunch of skits pasted together. Well, I think you could make a movie out of all these skits I've written. So that's what I would do. I'd make a movie out of all those skits. Well, you've got a son that's in film, right? You'd think. <laughs> you've got connections. You would, you, one would think. Do you remember me, Dad? That that would help. <laughs> now, we're talking earlier about feeling old, getting older, enjoying it, I will say one thing I don't enjoy that makes me feel very old is searching for emojis. When I have to go through and, like, say I'm looking for, like, is there a surfboard emoji? I find myself squinting, first of all, which is the first sign that it makes me feel old. And I'm looking through the phone, and I can't see what they, and so then I have to get my kid. And I'm like, can you please look and tell me if there's a, whatever, a surfing emoji? What were signs for you? When did you start to feel old? Or what were things that uh, made you feel that way? When, when I started getting emojis from my kids. <laughs> I wasn't sure what they meant. Yeah. And then so then I just would respond with, you know, heart, squid, <laughs> toad. <laughs> you know, running shoes. Right. And then they would and my daughter in law fell for it. She said, What does that mean? And that's why I responded, you know, frog, frog. 
<laughs> arcade. <laughs> it means exactly that. Yes. It's That's right all. there. So she knew right away she was dealing with someone who was seriously off. <laughs> so now you retired. Are you just hanging out doing comedy? Is that the main thing now? Primarily. I have two goals this year, curiously, you should ask. One is to walk a 1,000 miles. That's and so big. far at the end of April, I'll have over 400, so I'm ahead of schedule. Fantastic. And then I said, well, I'm going to make that easily. So then I had a new one to bike a 1,000, bicycle a 1,000 miles. And so far, I'm way behind schedule. <laughs> I just started. So. And why those goals? Well, the walking, because I started that because it's healthy. Okay. And then when I set the 1,000 mile, I've always enjoyed bicycling, too. I used to jog, but I hurt my uh, Achilles, so I started riding a bike. So I've ridden a bike for pleasure for quite a while. And I said, well, I have some time on my hands. Let's do both. So there you are. Nice. And as you travel for comedy and as you've traveled through life, what have been places that you love? What I love national parks, state parks. Missouri has some sweet, sweet state parks and national parks. My friend Don and I are going to Colorado here coming up. He's going to help a friend uh, buy a computer because his friend is, you know, not like me. He's really old. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Good thing I have a face for radio, so <laughs> this one's a little craggy. Um, so he's going out there to help this old guy buy a, a laptop and set it up. And while we're there, I'm going to go for walks, hikes. In the uh, and Colorado has some great state parks, but we've also been to Rocky Mountain National Park, Don and I have. And he loves state uh, national parks, and so do I. We went to the Grand Canyon as a family a couple years ago, because I think you're required to, as a human, go to the Grand Canyon. And my girls at the time were probably like third grade and fourth grade. And I was scared to death because they don't have like security fences up. No. There's not a gate. There's nothing no. blocking, which I get that it's a beautiful view. You don't want to obscure that. But a third and fourth grader can get a little runny, <laughs> uh, as I will use the term. And I don't trust them around the edges as we're trying to take pictures. So the entire time I have a death grip. <laughs> I mean, I'm just squeezing both <laughs> of their hands, <laughs> keeping them minimum. 10 feet back from the edge. And there's all these people, a million people are just standing out, climbing, taking selfies, having people take pictures. And I'm like, no, 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 there's no, there's not a, hey, stop. It's a mild drop down. There's a lot. It was very frightening to me. So we literally, we went, we took the pictures that I felt like we were required to take as Grand Canyon (laughs) visitors. The obligatory. Absolutely. And then immediately left because I was so stressed. Oh, that's sad. It was probably, we probably made it an hour. Through, you know, the walk there to this, and I, it was freaking me out. And I don't like heights either, so the whole thing was just too much. Here's here's a story. When my wife's from Louisville, so when we got married, at the time I was stationed in Fort Lewis, Washington. So we drove from Louisville, Kentucky to basically Seattle, Washington. But we went by way of Chicago and Rocky Ford, Colorado, and went past, you know, Los Angeles, and drove past the Grand Canyon. She said, oh, let's stop. And I said, we'll come back. Forty years later... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we go back. And I said, see, I told you we'd come back. I just didn't say when. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned Fort Lewis. My brother was stationed at Fort Lewis. Really? And we went to visit him. This has now isn't been 10 that, years ago. Isn't that beautiful country up Gorgeous. there? Gorgeous. Oh, my word. And we went to the zoo that was up there at the time. And now I couldn't tell you exactly where that zoo was. But I remembered the view from there just being incredible. Yeah. My daughter, Dana, loved it there. That's where she was uh, like three years old when we moved here, three or four and she loves it. We've gone back a couple times. She just loves it. And whenever it's a cold, misty, rainy day uh, in Kansas City, I'll text her and I'll say, welcome to Seattle. <laughs> and she said, I love it. Every time she says, I love it. 
So you have a military background. Yes, I was in the Army for a little over two years. Where else did you go? Where were you stationed? I had some training at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, then at Fort Huachuca, Arizona. Yeah, it was fun. And then the rest of my time was at Fort Lewis, Washington in a training brigade, which means that at that time they were still training soldiers to go to Vietnam. But curiously, you couldn't actually go unless you'd already been. At that point, they didn't want any fresh troops. They'd have to teach stuff. Okay. So they were they eventually wound down that training program and brought the troops back. So while I was there, I was we were, I was in a training brigade. Well, thank you for your service. Well, thank you. That's very cool. Back to the uh, food conversation, uh, the donuts. What are the best things you've had while traveling? Like there are certain meals that stick out to me when I've gone on vacations. Like oh man, the Pot roast nachos here were amazing. Is there anything that sticks out to you? Well, I was in Oakland teaching a class. There was a Cajun restaurant like a block and a half from the hotel. And, oh, man, that was just, I had blackened something, probably blackened chicken, and this vegetables were just wonderful. Yeah. I said, that is one of the best meals I have ever had. And the next day, I was in so much discomfort teaching a class. (laughs) We're going to take a break. Because I can't go on. <laughs> I don't know if I can make it to the John. <laughs> Man, it tasted good. It was really good. Yeah. We went to Germany and Paris in 2013-ish. And every single meal I had, I was like, that's the best meal I've ever had. And then the next meal would come along, that's the best <laughs> meal I've ever had. It was probably just the scenery, really. And I remember being in Paris going, I'm eating a croissant in Paris. Do you see me? I mean, everyone look. I'm eating a croissant in the middle of Paris. C'est moi. Ah, look at me. Regarde. So I have this bucket oh. of random questions. Okay. Um, all kinds of stuff in here. Feel free to grab a question. We'll see what you get. What topic are you most passionate about? What can you talk about all day? Probably comedy. Uh, when I get with guys, we go over stuff that they found funny or stuff that they've worked on to make it funny or other comedians that they admire mm-hmm. or comedians that they've seen work on stuff when it, before it became, you know, production ready, you know, just working through bits. And uh, I love talking about the process of coming up with something that's presentable on the stage. I have a bit about, uh, I was in a gang when I was a teenager. We called ourselves the Electrical Workers Union Local 412. <laughs> that whole bit was based on the fact that I saw a sign uh, on the road, I think it would indicated where to install electrical outlet or a box or maybe uh-huh. a streetlight. So that triggered that bit. And I worked on that bit for maybe a month. And when it was done, I had like 45 seconds. Wow. But I had, yeah, it's an interesting process of going through the idea and then honing it, honing it, adding, subtracting, and finally coming up with the bit. Yeah, that seems like quite a process. Because to me, I think, oh, oh, here's a line. I'll try that line tomorrow. But yeah. that probably doesn't really work out yeah, so well. well. For, and, and the, as a counterexample, I recently got an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. And I said, the first morning I woke up with it on, it said, get up. I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> it says, get up and move around. So then it, it occurred to me that this thing is monitoring my activity. So it knows when I'm sleeping. It knows when I'm awake. (laughs) Apparently, it knows if I've been bad or good. So, Apple, give me a break. (laughs) I came up with that, and that one was like 90% done when I thought of it. So it really depends on uh, just the situation. So 
Do you have a joke that you love, but then when you use it, it's bombing, but you don't want to let go of it? One of my favorites, my daughter is an ex- the, uh, the musician, is so funny. She's funnier than I am, but she refuses to perform comedy. She performs music. Yeah. Let me tell you a couple of her jokes, and this is, this is her favorite joke. Coming over here today, I ate an entire can of Pringles. Wow. Very disappointing. There were only three of them, and they were all tennis ball flavored. <laughs> Uh, that reminds me of my favorite joke, which my kids hate, which was, man, I had a dream last night that I was eating a giant marshmallow. When I woke up, my pillow was gone. Now, I got that from my dad, who said it a thousand times growing up. I now say it, and they're like, that's so embarrassing, and it's not funny. Like, don't say that at school. I work at their school part-time, which is just traumatic for them. Mom, it's you don't get that it's not funny. I'm like, Oh, but I do get it. <laughs> You're it's, part of, it's part of the joy of telling the joke. So feel free to Yeah, my best, some of my best material my Dana wrote. That's great. Have let you me, gone? Let me, I'm going to let and tell you another favorite joke okay. of hers that I told uh, the other night. If I had one word to describe myself, it would be not very good at following directions. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Do you go to her shows? Does she, is she oh, able yes. to do live performances yes. now? I, uh, one time the group won a contest that uh, the winner got a trip to uh, Los Angeles to play at Whiskey A Go-Go. Huge. So I went out there to watch them perform at Whiskey A Go-Go, and that was quite a thrill. That was quite a thrill. That's a big parent pride moment. Yes, absolutely. I had one this past week, and I felt really awkward because my daughter, only in fifth grade, she was running in her first cross-country meet. They go to take off. And I start to tear up. Now, I'm a crier anyway. I cry happy, sad, whatever. I cry for all sorts of reasons. But even I had to stop and go, am I crying at a cross-country meet? <laughs> like, seriously? Eating eating a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> in Paris. I'm in Paris. But one of the other moms comes up a few minutes later, and she goes, I actually got emotional when they started. Is that weird? And I was like, oh, thank you. Okay. it's It must just be either the age or oh, because it's their that's first a, one. What a sweet story. But, you know, are you, do you cry? Are you a crier? I am not. The last time I cried openly was at a movie. My son and I were watching this movie. I can't remember the name, but James Caan was in it. It was the story of a young woman in Ireland who had fallen in love with this guy. And she got pregnant by him, but was un- they were unable to get together. And uh, she left for America. Because she was pregnant, so she couldn't stay in Ireland. Mm-hmm. She's not married. And then later on, at the end, she found out that he had written her a note that she had not read oh. about running away with him. Yeah. And I, when it got to that point of the film, I just sat there and cried. And my son was with me, and he was patting me on the leg. He said, it's okay, Dad. It's okay. That's the last time I cried for a while. And see, now I want to watch that movie. I don't know that. We'll have to research that. Seems like that would be very cathartic let that out. Let's do another question oh, from the right. bucket of random questions. See right. what else we can learn about comedian David Scott. Here's one that says, uh, why did you make a bucket of random questions? <laughs> Fine. Who, who, when, where was your first concert? Ooh. In high school, we had the Kingsman. Yes. Um, Louie Louie, we play that on our station. Came to, came to the high school and performed. That is huge. Yes. They were just after their peak. <laughs> but they were still going. I mean, the whole school was there. It was pretty impressive. Was it like prom or they just did a concert? You know, I don't recall. It, I, it wasn't prom because I wouldn't have gone. 
because <laughs> I wasn't a senior. I don't recall, but they were there for the event, and uh, yeah, it was fun. Was that a big thing back then? Was it common for them to, like, groups? Because my dad, The Who, came to Kansas City as, you know, a concert. And you think The Who was coming to, like, a, perform at a high school? It seems like you would never see that these days. Mm-hmm. No, no, absolutely not. No. But the Kingsmen just come yeah. and hanging out at your school. Yeah, that was the first concert that I recall. That's very cool. I'm glad you got that question because you're old, and I want to hear your answer. I am answer. old. I'm so old. I occasionally get the day of the week from my pillbox. Uh, how many pills are in your pillbox? Oh, well, let me see. About six, six or seven. That's not bad. Only four of them. No, it's actually closer to eight. There's only four of them that I'm actually prescribed, mm. and, the, and the rest are vitamins and other stuff. Things. Yeah. It's funny because my mom, as she's gotten older now, I listen to her conversations with, you know, her siblings and with her friends. They're all involving medical appointments, just things, you know, back pain, ankle pain, just everything involves pills they're taking, Mm -hmm. prescriptions Mm -hmm. they're picking up. And I'm like, oh, that's me in 20 years. Yeah. I have lunch with the guy uh, every so often. And the first thing he does is go down the list (laughs) of things that have (laughs) happened to him physically since the last lunch. (laughs) <laughs> I would love to sit in on that lunch and hang out with you. No. no. <laughs> and your friends. Sad. So what do you have going on? What's coming up? I saw you've been busy doing a couple of stand-up shows just even this week. Yeah, I got one coming up May 7th, which is a Friday in Topeka, Top City Comedy, mm-hmm. which curiously was where I started my professional career. I was out there and uh, I performed. And afterwards, a guy came up and slipped the $20 bill into my pocket. And I still have that $20 bill because that was the beginning of my professional comedy career. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I also started my professional career in Topeka, Kansas. Nice. My uh, first morning show while I interned on a radio station in Topeka. And then I got my first real morning show there. Nice. Yeah. Made my way all the way to Kansas City, like 30 minutes down the road. <laughs> and uh, I'll be performing with Will C., who is really my mentor. Will C. started a group called Veterans of Comedy. It's a comedy troupe that are made up of veterans. And he took me, he hauled me along with him to, oh, we performed in Oklahoma and Nebraska and Kansas and Indiana and the list goes on and on. And he would take me along and let me perform with him. Now, he was obviously the reason people were there. He's great. And, uh, oh, yeah, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful individual, a good friend. And he just taught me so much about persevering. You know, even if stuff doesn't work, just keep going. And he would tell me stuff where he would just did marvelously well, and then he would follow it up with a story about he had just totally tanked, and they hated him, and, <laughs> and they booed him off the stage. Yeah, so he was a, a wonderful, a wonderful influence on me. He was just so kind taking me with him on his uh, tours. I love that. So people can find you that way as well online? Yes, there's a webpage, theveteransofcomedy.com. You've got shows coming up. You're probably going to make this movie with your son. I feel like now I've pressured you into it. Yeah, I should probably mention that to him. <laughs> and you guys get together, put this movie together. You'll have big things happening. David Scott, thank you for coming by the podcast. Oh, I it's been a delight. You. Thank you so much for having me. Good luck with everything you've got on the way. And uh, for the listening audience, there's actually a third person in the room. Yes. We keep him hidden in the back, producer Joey. He's not allowed to talk. He's been anything. just standing he there. Just- He's like he's like that statue of the guard at the Nelson. <laughs> My goal. <laughs>
He gets paid less than that guard at the Nelson, though. And that's... I get paid? <laughs> David Scott, thank you so much for coming by, everybody else. Thank you so much for listening to the Little Studio Comedy Club podcast.